coming to you from the Deep South. This is the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast. High impact leadership is not reserved for leaders, and it has nothing to do with your position, title, or rank. However, it does have everything to do with your character. It's time to climb to the next level and beyond, personally and professionally. Now, let's start making it happen with your host, Max Story. Hello, and thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast today. So today we've made it up to Chapter 26, or Trait 26, in my book, Blue Collar Leadership and Teamwork, 30 Traits of High Impact Players. Trait 26 is be aware. Be aware. You know, we've only got five chapters left, and we will have finished up uh, this 30-part series on the Teamwork book. And then I'm trying to decide right now. I'm not sure exactly uh, which direction I'm going to take when I finish this series, what I'm going to do next. But uh, it'll be more of the same, more personal growth, more leadership development content. But today I want to talk to you about being aware. That's a high-impact trait if you want to be on a high-performance team. The more team members that are truly aware, the greater the performance of the team. So I want to share with you a quote to kick off today from John Maxwell. He says this, All lasting growth requires awareness. Unfortunately, if you lack awareness, then you don't know that you are unaware. It's a blind spot. You don't know what you don't know. And you can't see that you are unable to see. Again, that was a quote from John Maxwell. And he's talking about the blind spot. It's a blind, your your blind spot is in the same exact spot as my blind spot. It's, it's between you and the mirror. And that's exactly where mine is. It's between me and the mirror. And that's where everyone else's is, between them and the mirror. So that's that's what we're going to talk about today, being aware. And like I have on the, the previous uh, episodes in this series, I just want to ask you, if, if you, ha- if you could pick between two people, to be on your team. The only thing you know about these people. One of them is highly aware. They have self-awareness. They have situational awareness. The other one. Well, you know. They're kind of just hanging out. They're not really aware of what's going on around them. They're not aware of their role on the team. They're not aware of, of, of where they fit in the organization. They don't have self-awareness. They don't see how their behavior may impact the team. But that's all you know about these two people. One is highly aware, and one have a, has a very low level of awareness. Which which person do you want to select to be on your team? And that's the only trait you know. That's the only one you're going to be allowed to know about before you pick your teammate. One's highly aware. One's very unaware. We both know which one we're going to pick. We're going to pick the one with a high degree of awareness because we know they're going to be a better team member. And like always, i got to ask you the question. It's easy to look out the window and see what we expect in others, but it's kind of hard to look around that blind spot and realize which one are we. And I'll ask you this right off the bat. Is your lack of awareness holding you back? 
how would you know? You don't know what you're unaware of. But those who truly do know, because there's a way to there's a way to know your lack of awareness is holding you back. And the way you 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 come about learning that is you become intentional about your growth and development. You remember way back in the beginning, one of the traits is be growth oriented. That's why it's way back in the beginning, because being growth oriented is going to help you develop and increase your level of awareness. Because people who are constantly growing, they're constantly becoming aware of all the things they're unaware of. So it doesn't take long that they realize, like me, I've been focused on personal growth and development 15 years. And the reason I'm still doing it every day is because I'm aware that I'm unaware of a whole lot of stuff. There's not but one way to become aware. That's through intentional growth and development. And you don't ever become aware of everything. You, you are constantly becoming aware of all the stuff you don't know. And then when you seek and strive to go learn that stuff, that leads you to some more stuff, and, and you co continue the cycle. You keep realizing there's, there's so much out there I'm unaware of. And, and it's real easy to understand it. Think of all the professions and all the th things that you don't do. You've got a job or you've got an occupation or a skill and you've developed it over time. That's, that's what you do. But imagine what all the people do that you don't do. Imagine all the stuff you'd have to learn to be able to do that. And you don't have a clue unless you start trying to learn it. And then you figure out, oh, there's a lot to this. And that's what we're talking about. So I want to tell you, until you're aware, you can't beware. You can't be aware of things you don't know you need to be aware of. And relative to our character, that's why a lot of times the, as people develop their character, they associate less and less with a lot of other people. When they don't have a highly developed character, they just associate with anybody. But as, as they start developing a higher level of character with, with higher values, you know, relative to being a good person and being positive and those those type things. Because every, everything is relative, no matter what you're talking about. It's all relative. So when we say values, we tend to think good values, but there's people with bad values, and they hang out with other people with bad values. That's just the way it works. But everything I'm always talking about is relative to being positive, being what we label as good, being a good person, valuing others developing ourselves, all that sort of stuff. But a major difference between high-impact players and low-impact players is their level of awareness. If you're on a team with a bunch of low-impact players and they don't understand what, how, what they do, what they say, or what they don't say or what they don't do affects the team, and affects their influence. You got to remember every single thing that I'm ever talking to you about is relative to either increasing your influence or decreasing your influence. But I'm always talking about literally how to increase your influence. If you do the opposite of what I'm talking about, you're going to decrease your influence. So if you're a new listener or maybe you're an old listener, 
I just want to replant that seed. I, I do it quite often, but that's because there's new folks and then people forget because they, they, they kind of get into the routine. But you've got to remember, every single thing I teach and speak about is to help you grow your influence with positive, high-character people. Everything I'm teaching you, that's what it's about. And you just got to ask yourself a question to know if, if this is valuable to you. Will your life be better with more influence or less? It's pretty simple. Everybody's life will be better with more influence. So all you ever hear me talking about, all you ever see me if you follow me on LinkedIn, social media, all you ever see me talking about are principles, character-based principles that are going to help you increase your influence in all situations. So when it comes to awareness, the one thing you need to know about becoming a high-impact player is there are many things you need to know about becoming a high-impact player. Not just the things I'm teaching you in this series. Not just the things I'm teaching you in all the other, other 344 or 45 episodes, however many they are. There's a lot now. More, more than, than all, that's in all of my books. More than it, that's in it, all the books anybody's ever written about character. It never ends. You cannot ever learn how much there is to learn about becoming a high-impact team player. But the more you learn, the more valuable you're going to be, the more influence you're going to have. So let's talk about those blind spots again. We all have blind spots. You know about everybody else's. You can easily see that they have blind spots. You can easily see that they don't have an awareness about a lot of things. We all have blind spots. To become high-impact play players, we must choose to become intentional about overcoming those blind spots. You, you see, high-impact players know they have blind spots. I know I got blind spots. I've been growing and developing for 15 years intentionally every day, and I know I have blind spots. It also allows me to realize everybody else does too, and they got some big ones. People who are not growing and developing themselves, they they have a massive blind spot. It, it's all more, it's almost more than just a blind spot. It, it's almost like a continuous spot around their head. Like if you dropped a, if you put a dome down over the top of someone's head, it doesn't matter where these people look. They don't see that they they are the problem in their lives. They're very reactive people. They're constantly moaning and groaning and whining about the world, about their team, about their boss, about their company, about every single thing. They, they drama kings and queens. Some people just love it, and those people who love it, they got some major blind spots. There's nothing wrong with it. They can love it all they want. But if they're unhappy in life, which is usually why they're moaning, groaning, and whining, then their blind spot's holding them back. But see, they don't know it because they're unaware. But high-impact players know they have blind spots. They also know the biggest blind spot they have is most often located between them and the mirror, just like I've said. 
Therefore, they are actively growing and developing themselves while continuing, and this is a key piece, to ask for feedback from their teammates, from their families, from their children. They, they highly value feedback. See, low-impact players, they, they don't value feedback, and if you give it to them, they don't know what to do with it. Most often, they become angry about it because they don't know what to do with it because their blind spot can't allow them to see what someone else sees. Their blind spot can't even allow them to, to, to even consider the feedback they're getting may be true. They instantly become reactive. They instantly get on the defense, start pushing back. You see, think about that. I asked you earlier, you know, I, I was talking about awareness and unawareness, but let's talk about feedback. If, if you got to pick one person to be on your team, well, let, let's say this one person is your boss because remember the bosses are on the team too. Anybody associated with the team is on the team. So the boss is a teammate. Everybody at every level is a teammate. The support folks are teammates. Everybody, it's a team. That's, that's what team means. It's not about position, titles, and rank, and all that stuff. Not relative to what I'm talking about in this series. But let's talk about feedback. You get to pick your boss. You got two people to pick from, though. And you the only thing you know about this person that's going to be your boss, you wish you knew more, but you don't. You've only been told one thing about each person. And that's what you're going to have to base your decision off of is that one thing. One boss loves feedback. They'll even come around from time to time and ask you for feedback. They'll ask you about it relative to certain things, certain aspects of their job. They, they want feedback. They'll tell you if they ain't coming around enough to get the feedback, you find them and you give them some feedback. They want to know how they're doing, how they can improve, all that type stuff. The other potential boss, they don't want any feedback. If they want your opinion, they'll give it to you. We've all seen those bosses. Some of us ha have worked for those bosses. You may have one at this very moment. Either way, we know the difference between the two bosses. One wants feedback. The other one doesn't want feedback. They actually uh, avoid you because they're afraid you might give them some feedback. And when you do, they do what those folks do. They go on the defensive. They start pushing back. You could even lose your job because you give one of those bosses feedback. So you get to pick between the two people to be your boss, to be your teammate in a boss position. One seeks out and wants and values feedback. The other one hates it. Which one are you going to pick to be the boss? You're going to pick the same one I'm going to pick, the one who wants feedback. See how easy it is to look out the window and identify these different character traits? You know, that's another trait right there. Feedback is a trait that's related to awareness. But again, it's easy to look out the window, but it's harder to look in the mirror because we got the blind spots. Which one are you? You can tell, you can tell how much you value feedback by easily looking in the mirror and saying, how often do you go ask for it? 
When's the last time you asked someone at home about feedback? Or ask them to give you some feedback? How am I doing? What's my weakness? What could I work on? When's the last time you did it with your children, your spouse? Your close friends? When's the last time you did it at work with people who report to you or people who work with you or the person you report to? Or people who support you in some type of support role within your organization. If, if you're not seeking feed, feedback, you don't value feedback. And that's a weakness for me. I don't ask for a lot of feedback. I do ask for feedback. I actually had a client give me feedback yesterday. And, and, and maybe I do ask for it and don't even realize it because maybe it's become a habit because of my growth and my awareness because that client was talking to me and, and he was telling me he wanted to give me some feedback because he knew I valued it. So obviously I'm living my life in a way that even if it's become subconscious where I don't necessarily understand it, but I welcome feedback. I'm open to feedback. And it was about his team reading one of the chapters actually from this book. He was talking about uh, uh, chapter four, be responsible. And he was just sharing with me that, he thought that I maybe should have written it a different way. But at the same time, he also understood that I'm tying this chapter to the previous chapter and the next chapter, and I got you know an overall picture. One thing he didn't understand is I've written about responsibility in a lot of my books, so I don't try to write it the same exact way in every book. It'd just be a copy of the same thing. So I mean, I've got one book, Defining Influence, where I really dive deep, and I talk about the four levels of responsibility which is really going deep into responsibility. But anyway, he wasn't being critical. He was just sharing feedback that he heard from his team. You know, I've sold thousands of these books. I've never heard that from anyone else. But like I told him, I'm not going to change the book, but I'll reread the, the, those chapters and I'll take a look at it and try to see it from his perspective or his team's perspective just so I can understand maybe what they saw. But I can promise you, they didn't see the reason I wrote it the way I did, you know, relative to the entire book. They haven't even read the entire book. They haven't read my other books. So I've got a bigger picture view than they do, but I still highly value the feedback. And when I go back through it, which I haven't done yet, I just talked to him a day or so ago, but it's on my list of things to do. I may read it and see exactly what they're talking about. Because as I wrote it, I could have had a, a blind spot not to see what they saw. But at the same time, they could have a blind spot not to see what I saw when I was writing it. I'm pretty sure those folks, because I know them and the client, they haven't been studying personal growth and leadership that long. There's a good chance what they wanted to see was what's already in some of my other books at a deeper level. But each one of these three-page chapters is relative to teamwork. It's not relative to a whole lot of other things. So anyway, you know, that's just an example, a real life example. So I was about to beat myself up for it. And then that, my subconscious gave me that information from that call a few days ago. And that ain't what the call was about. We were talking about something else. That was just something they, they wanted to mention. And the key point was he wanted to mention it because he knows I value feedback. And I do. So. An interesting thing about high-impact players is their ability to be focused on their team's mission. 
while being aware of the team's role in achieving the overall objective of the organization. That's, that's high-impact awareness right there. You know, we're talking about the team's mission. But see, there's a lower level of awareness. What's my mission on the team? I've got to be aware of what my mission is. That's the, my lowest level of awareness that I've got to master this trait is I got to be me and my personal, my self-awareness of my mission. And then I've got to see how do I fit into the team's mission? I got to do what's best for me, but then ultimately I got to do what's best for the team as a whole. But then as a team, me and my teammates, we've got to be aware of the overall objective of the organization. You know, relative to lean, sometimes back when I was leading lean manufacturing process improvement, there was sometimes when and it's not sometimes there's, there's a, I mean, it's a, there's a lot of times in a process, one step of the process needs to be inefficient. So the whole process can be efficient. People who don't understand lean, they don't understand what I just said. See traditional people or I should say people with a traditional mindset, they think to be most efficient as a whole, the whole organization, for the whole organization to be most efficient, every single process in the organization needs to be most efficient. And that is absolutely 100% not true. And if you don't know about lean, you're probably thinking, how can that not be true? So I'll give you an example. Let's just say we've got just to make it simple, I'm just going to make a just a little simple uh, scenario. Let's say we got three machines. The Each machine, the first machine will run apart every one minute. Every minute you can produce a part. The next machine runs apart every two minutes. That's machine number two. Machine number three runs apart every two minutes. So I got a one minute cycle time, feeding a two minute cycle time, feeding a two minute cycle time. So to be most efficient on that first machine, I need to make a part every minute. Second machine, I need to make a part every two minutes. Third machine, I need to make a part every two minutes. So you can easily see the the first machine runs twice as fast as the second and third machine. If the first machine ran two minutes like the other two, I just put it in one machine, pull it out, put it in the next machine, pull it out, put it in the next machine. Very efficient operation. That would be the goal. But a lot of times, it's like I just described. There's machines, they're not, they don't have equal process speeds. So a lot of times, people who don't know better will separate them out. Like they'll pull, they'll remove, instead of having these three machines in a line, they'll the slow machine, they'll move it off to the side and they'll run it twice as fast so they can be efficient on that. But, but notice, as soon as they move it off to the side, they're going to run it twice as fast, which means they're only going to have to run it in an eight-hour day. They don't only have to run it four hours instead of eight hours because they're going to they're build up eight hours worth of parts for the next machine and in two hours, in uh, four hours, because they're going to go twice as fast. But see, as soon as you move it over, so you can run that machine efficiently, 
now it's going to have to have more space. You're going to run twice as fast, so you got to you got to have pallets to put your parts on or some type of container, depending on how big they are. you got to have a forklift now to come move these. Let's say it's a pallet. Let's say they're you know, parts that are going to be on a pallet, and you got to have a forklift to move them. Then you got to store them someplace. So now you got to have potentially a rack. You got to have square footage. You got to have all that kind of stuff. And let's say the next machine, when, when they get one of your pallets, there's a bad part on it. They may be four hours worth of bad parts on it. But it'd be most efficient for the operation to have that faster machines sitting right next to the slow machine, put these things kind of in a circle, let the operator or operators run in a circle. They just move the parts around. That one machine only runs half the time, but there's no pallets. There's no extra inventory. There's no uh, uh, forklifts involved in moving a part from, from it to the, to the next. All kinds of opportunities for improvement. That's what lean manufacturing is about, is understanding. I just gave you a real simple little example. And, and that's part of what the whole is. We got to be relative to lean. It's got to be about the running the operation as a whole, the most, most efficient and effectively. So when we're talking about awareness, there's awareness at my level. There's awareness of me and my team. What's the team's mission? And then what's the organization's mission? All those are related to awareness, but they're slightly different. So this is a great quote by uh, Robert uh, Rabin, if I'm saying that right. Not sure. R-A-B-B-I-N. He put it this way. He says, keep one degree of focus while maintaining 360 degrees of awareness. It means we pay total attention to what is right in front of us without losing awareness of all that is around us. That's a great quote right there. That's the goal. That's our goal. Focus and awareness. He's talking about one degree of focus, 360 degrees of awareness. That one degree of focus, that's me and my job, so to speak. That 360 degrees of awareness, this, this how does me and my job, my character, my everything impact my team, my department, my organization, my community, my country, my world. How big do you want to go? How far do you want to go? But the ultimate solution to being a better team member at all these different various levels is to focus on personal growth and development. If everybody does it, every, every level gets better in a hurry. But start at the personal level. You do it. Nobody else does it. Your life's going to get better in a hurry. You may be on a new team pretty soon because you leave your old team behind. You leave the old boss behind. You leave the old organization behind. You get to decide because you're going and growing intentionally. You're raising your level of awareness. Friends, you... You used to think in the past were great friends. As you grow and develop, you may figure out they're not such great friends. They've been holding you back. 
They've been bringing you down. Doesn't mean they're bad people, but it means they're headed in a different direction than you are once you start growing, and they don't. You've got to have that level of awareness to realize you're going to have to leave some people behind. Those people could be in your personal life or your professional life. You get to decide. So I'm going to leave you today with a, a quote from Les Giblin. It'll kind of lead into the next to the next trait that we're going to be talking about next week. Be careful. That's the next trait, trait 27. This quote is from Les Giblin. He says, you can't make the other person feel important in your presence if you secretly feel that they're a nobody. Good stuff right there. You can mask your character, but you can't hide it. A lot of people try to do that. Those are, those are what we call two-faced people. They try to mask their character, but they can't hide it. They try to pretend to be one way, but they're truly another way. I hope you're not one of those two-faced people. Odds are, if you're not aware of it, you may not even know it. If you say one thing and do another thing, you're a two-faced person. If you use profanity around some people, but not around other people, you're a two-faced person. If you if you got some bad habits, some people know about them, some people don't, you're a two-faced person. Because a whole person, a high, person of high integrity, they're the same exact person to everybody in their life. They ain't got nothing to hide. Be aware. Talk to you next time. Make it happen or someone else will. It might as well be you. Are you serious about taking your career and your life to the next level and beyond? Check out Max Story's Blue Collar Leadership Series books and others, now available on audio, along with paperback, and ebooks at Amazon, iTunes, and Audible. Please visit bluecollarleadership.com to learn about Max books, programs, special offers, certifications, and more. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast.